Welcome, listeners, to www.ironradio.org, the website and podcast for all things strength sports and sports nutrition. With your hosts, Lonnie Lowry. Remember, Phil is like a gnarled old oak tree held together with scar tissue and bone spurs. Rob Fortney. And I'm telling you, the pain that I would suffer was beyond excruciating. And Phil Stevens. Do it, Rob. You'll kill all those nerves. Thanks for listening. Welcome, Iron Radio listeners. This is IronRadio.org, and I'm Robert Fortress Fortney. I'm a former editor of Muscle Money International, former competitive bodybuilder and powerlifter, and I'm back. And he's back, and he's bad. It's good to have you back, Rob. This is Phil Stevens, um, powerlifter, strength coach, uh, run Lift for Hope, and strength guilt here in Peak Kansas. We just had a big article done on us, and uh, I'm also a part-time, mostly nude model. My, my new Christmas card shoot's coming up. Ooh. Yeah, it's going to be a beautiful thing. Well, those who remember last year's shoot should be salivating at the idea of what Phil's going to do to up the ante for. We got to outdo last year, and we've got a good one in the works. <laughs> Yikes! Me and one of my mastiffs are going to be in a picture together. Hide your small children. Yes, sir. It's going to be a good one. So, <laughs> so I apologize to our listeners for not. Being on the show the last few weeks, I've, uh, as some of you might have known, I uh, relocated to a different part of the great country of Canada. So I only just got access to my, my uh, computer yesterday, actually. So it's very exciting for me. And of course, my Hotmail inbox was, uh, I don't know, about four or five hundred. So that took me a while to go through those, and I, and I answered some of the questions that were. Uh, sent in from listeners of Iron Radio, so thank you to those people as usual. Love to get your ma- your mail. Um, th- sorry for taking a while. Mm-hmm. And uh, yeah, I'm sitting uh, in my new apartment, um, surrounded by all my boxes and paraphernalia because it was all delivered to me yesterday by a moving company, and I've had to actually make little trails through my apartment to actually get anywhere. Nice. That's always fun. Yeah. So. But I'm not too worried about it because, like I said, now everything's here, you know. So and it's always for those of you who have moved, and I'm sure most of you have. It's always nice to have actually all your stuff, even if it's in shambles and all over the place. At least it's with you, and yeah. So then you have to hunt for everything, of course, that you're looking for. Actually, this morning I was looking for. I was thinking, you know what? Now I can actually make some shakes again. <laughs> so I'm thinking, my blender. Yes, my blender. Okay, so now actually after this show, I have to go and uh, do a search and. Search and recover mission for my blender, which shouldn't, be, <laughs> which shouldn't be too hard to find, but yeah, so that'll be a big thing. It, you know, you, especially for people who like us who do a lot of lifting and you know training or we're athletes of some description, you, you always underestimate just how kind of disruptive moving and getting a new job and all these oh, types yeah. of things are to to your training. I in 26 years of training, I have not skipped so many sessions in my life and, you know, felt that I was shrinking so badly because the truth of the matter is, um, it's so hard to eat. Like the first few days I was here, I was like, wait a second, all my stuff is still coming. So all I had was what I could take on the plane. Thank God I had the, 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 the wherewithal to think to myself, okay, I'm going to bring a plate and a fork and a glass and stuff like that. But I mean, it's one of those things where I was thinking, you know, this, this really stinks, right? Because you have nothing here. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. you, you can't make breakfast. You can't make anything. So the first thing I did was I was like, you know, i got to go buy a microwave. i got to buy some food that I can make, uh, you know, a, a pan that I can freaking make my eggs in and all those types of things. So, yeah, it's it's rough. And for all the people who are um, 
are planning to move or whatever, don't under don't underestimate how how much of a nuisance all that is, and, and try and think ahead at least to facilitate as best you can. Maybe at least getting in a workout, you know, once in a while, and uh, you know, getting a, at least a few meals in a day. So that's what I was going to ask you. I've I've moved a lot and got kind of okay at it, but what was your training like? Um, Were you able to get any in at all? In the last two weeks, I've been here. Two. It was two weeks. Um, two weeks, two days ago, and okay. I've trained I think four times. Gotcha. And it was not what anybody would consider to be championship training, yeah. <laughs> because you know I'm in a gym that I'm actually you know not even a member of yet, and I'm not certain I'm going to join that gym, and I didn't have my belt and all of my stuff, and like I said, I haven't been eating properly, and the stress levels, and the new mm-hmm. job, and so it was. It was kind of I wouldn't even say maintenance training. I would say it was trying desperately to prevent massive atrophy, atrophy training. Yeah. <laughs> so, so it wasn't even maintenance training. But, I mean, yeah. I'm doing okay, and I'm still hovering around 285 or so. So I'll be okay. And I, I figure within another week or two, I'll have everything st- straightened and squared away. So, And it'll all come back. So, hey. No constrictions on being a, a large mammal at your new job? Um, say again? Sorry? No, there are no job constrictions with you being a large, large mammal. They don't mind. Oh no, I think they, I think they actually like that. There's that's there's good. Quite a few uh, large people there. And for people who don't know what I'm talking about, it's a corrections peace officer. So yes, I'm dealing with a lot of the undesirables in society. So, but I mean, you know, it's one of those things where where I'm at a remand center, so it's people that are all the way from, you know, uh, didn't pay a few fines. You know, all the way to people who have murdered and molested and done those types of things. So, it really is a broad, broad spectrum of people. I've not yet worked with the people who are really bad, but yeah, as far as size is concerned, you know, there's actually a pretty good gym in the place. Although we're moving to a new remand center uh, in a few months, that's going to be the largest and most sophisticated in North America. So, mm. but uh, apparently, that the, the gym that they have in the new place is actually worse than they than the one they have at the at the current place. So, I don't know how that works, but. Uh, apparently they had some woman um, who is not a weight trainer um, order all the equipment, so I, I don't think I need to say more about that. So you need to work out with the prisoners. <laughs> yeah, well, it's funny actually. I've already witnessed a bunch of those guys trying to work out. You know, they take the shampoo bottles and stuff and stuff them in like a in a bed linens and fold it over and trying to like do curls with it and stuff. It's actually kind of pathetic. Yeah, but I suppose you do what you have to. <coughs> Oh, yeah. And still in prison, nobody's doing legs. You'd think you'd you'd at least throw 350-pound bubba on your back and do some deep deep squats over by the... Oh, yeah. Holding on to the the rail of your bunk or something. You know what I mean? Like, for God's sakes, people. Just because you're in prison doesn't mean you still have to have stick legs. You know, there's plenty. You'd think there's almost, like you said, more ways to train your legs than there is upper body. In in a lot of ways, yeah. That's absolutely true. But... Piggyback people, good morning people. <laughs> Stuff like exactly. that. Even doing leg presses against, again, Big Bubba as he's trying to get some exactly. loving in the middle of the night. Exactly. You know, partner or cell, cellmate snatches, something like that. You know, <laughs> foam over your head. <laughs> so, no, it's been it's been going good here. My, uh, we got the expansion's just about done. Insulation's all up. Got the new competition bench arrived. The Black Friday. That was my Black Friday gift. It came. I didn't have to go out shopping. And what what is it that you got? A bench? Yeah, my new competition bench. Ooh. Yeah. That's nice. Oh, it'll 
Hey, man, you can never underestimate a good bench, man. Because no. once yeah. once you've used a good bench, ninety percent of other benches just don't measure up. Exactly, it's the right height and the right width, and yeah, it's built like a you know tank. So you can toss heavy weights at it, and it just it stays still. Yeah, it's real nice having that. And then I'll have my my mono lift will be here soon. Oh man. Yeah. Yeah, we shelled out a pretty penny for those two pieces. I but, guess uh, so. I guess so, especially the yeah. final lift, yeah. Yeah, so it should be here in the next. I think it's going to powder coat right now, and then uh it'll be coming FedEx Freight. I get to go pick it up. Oh, so. they're actually custom making it kind of thing? It's like a piece to like order. It's built to order, yeah. Built to order, yeah. 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 Oh, that's yeah, cool. Powder coat color and everything. So Wow. I ordered it like four months ago. So, yeah, Lonnie. For for those who are wondering, Lonnie's not on today. Did you mention that already? No, I didn't. Oh, yeah, he's not on because again, apparently he's getting his teeth worked on or something. Yeah, he was biting too hard on his uh, mouthpiece in a squat, and his teeth. <laughs> no, <laughs> oh, Lonnie always always worried about the the vanity. No, I'm just kidding. Yeah, I know. Just kidding. He's getting his head waxed. <laughs> Get my melon! So, um, yeah, so I'm new here. I'm kind of out of the loop the last few weeks. So Phil's been uh, filling me in, telling me that uh, there's been some good talk on Thanksgiving, uh, what 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 we've been thankful for and that type of thing. Of course, we up in here in Canada celebrate Thanksgiving Thanksgiving at an earlier time, but I'm sure the sentiments that my co-hosts have mentioned are uh, much the same as what I would be thankful for. But um, so Phil, where are we at, man? Where are we at? Yeah, we did. Uh, you know, we did the Thanksgiving show. We were thankful for a lot of stuff. Um, and then specificity versus variety. And now we're going to go. I think today uh, got several topics we're going to host on. There's been a lot of a lot of talk on the uh, Iron Radio listeners page, Iron Radio listeners page. And I figured it'd be worth our while to uh, chime in live on that type of thing. You okay. Know, on there, we can expand a bit. So all right. Um, We'll take a break real quick and come back and do that. All right, man. See you in a minute. Hi, this is Dr. Lonnie Lowry, and on behalf of Phil and Rob, I'd just like to let listeners know that if you love us or you hate us, we'd like you to leave a comment or perhaps vote for us on iTunes. It helps us out quite a bit on the popularity side of things. Uh, you can also follow uh, Dr. Lowry, me, on Twitter. Uh, it's Lawnman7 on Twitter if you want to do that. We also have a Facebook page, the Iron Radio uh, listeners page. So... Uh, whether it's leaving a comment or voting for us or following us on Twitter or Facebook, uh, that would be fantastic. Also, uh, occasionally Rob or myself will write an article for another website, and Phil will as well. So lots of ways to um, interact, uh, follow us in other media, and vote for us and uh, keep things going strong on Iron Radio. Thanks. I can't stop feeling Some of us don't understand How lucky we are To be living in this Hi listeners, this is Rob Fortress Fortney. I'm here to remind you that as the holiday season approaches and your thoughts turn to giving, we like you to keep Iron Rating in your thoughts. Every week for four years now, it's been our privilege to bring you weekly news, experts, and gym talk. 
Did you know that now roughly 20,000 brothers and sisters of iron count on us for these things? Of course, not everyone can afford to be a supporting member or a significant one-time donor. But for those of you willing to pitch in $4 per month or $50 just once, we're about to sweeten the deal. Become a supporting member or major donor between now and January 2013, and a limited number of you will receive a gift worth over $20. And we will never forget our existing supporters. Simply email me via ironradio.org, and I'll send you a free seminar from Dr. Lowry on how to significantly and realistically boost your testosterone levels. Help your iron brothers and sisters who cannot pitch in but deserve better internet programming in our sports. And happy holidays. Hello, Iron Radio listeners. This is Dr. Lowry. I just want to offer an update on the protein and resistance exercise book that you hear about in ads at the end of the show. The publisher and I realize that the textbooks have become expensive. This one's $99. So individual electronic chapters have been made available for $20. US As with Iron Radio, my primary drive here is to get valid, reliable information into the hands of fellow lifters. So if you simply Google CRC Press Protein, you'll find the page where the book is sold. By clicking on ebook purchase at the right, you'll be taken to a page with free introductory parts of the book, as well as each chapter in electronic PDF format. There's also links uh, to other sources in this version. So whether you're interested in an academic heavy hitter like Dr. Peter Lemon sharing protein's history and strength training, or you're a biochem nerd like me and you want to just look at chapter 2 on protein synthesis and breakdown, or if you want to cut to the chase and get to a chapter on using protein weight control or case studies, you can now do so for just 20 bucks. So please check out CRC Press Protein and see which chapter topic may interest you. Thanks. Fix of Iron Radio. In addition to being a popular institute on iTunes, we are also on email. Simply go to www.ironradio.org and sign up for the voluntary email. You'll get a once per week email, no more, that's little more than the show notes and a link to the audio. So go for it. Okay, and we're back. Um, like I said, we're going to touch some of the uh, the topics we got going on on the busy listeners page. Thank you guys for for posting all that stuff. Um, first off, I wanted to give a shout out to uh, Albert Albert Woody. He got a meniscus tear and uh, going in for surgery. And you know, if, if anybody knows what it's like to go under the knife several times, it's me. So um, we all just wanted to give a shout out and uh, hope a uh, an easy surgery and a speedy recovery. Yeah. Get in there, get it done, and get back out there. So. You know, it seems like I know a lot of people lately who have been uh, going under the knife or been suffering from injuries or of some type. Or, and it's not that it might be. It's not that I'm getting older. It's my peer group I'm talking about. I'm talking about a lot of people who are like even in their twenties. I I don't know. Maybe it's just. Uh, I don't know. Maybe it just seems that way. But something there. My mangina has been aching a lot lately. Oh well, yeah. Well, other than that, other than that. It's, not going too bad. <laughs> <laughs> that treadmill giant just 
just keeps popping up, man. Been very fibrotic. The fibromangina has been expressing itself greatly, so <laughs> I have to beat it back. Rub some mangosil all over it. Yeah. But uh, <laughs> um, first off, we got one by Ken. Um, Ken Tax. If I ruin anybody's name, it's my fault. I'm a I'm a Midwesterner, and that's just we're not that smart. Um, he he posts a picture of up of himself and his his dad, and he looks to be about two. And he's got a little PVC barbell, it looks like, and a, one of the cement weights. And he says, how young is too young? And, you know, laughs and says, you know, he used to love hitting the gym with the old man. No, I think this is a great topic. I mean, my daughter has been in the gym since birth with us. And uh, it's more of a lead-by-example thing. Is what I, I don't think there's an age too young to bring them in the gym, expose them to it. I know Dave Tate has talked about this a lot. He brings his boys in the gym. Um, I just don't think you force it on them. You know, we never pushed our daughter to do anything. She she sees us doing stuff, and then she'd ask, "Can I try that?" And it's like, sure. You know, let it let them come to it in their own speed. And she ends up playing a lot of doing flipping around on the power rack, doing chin ups and the rings, and doing pull ups. And but uh, you know, then I bought a little fifteen pound bar for her when she was about two. I made her a, a bar out of PVC that uh, it was cool. They, I made it to where Olympic plates would actually go on it, and you could put collars on it. So. And it looked like a real barbell. It was thin in the middle, and then it expanded out, had collars. Yeah, it was pretty sweet. But, uh, you know, let her play around with that. I, I don't think, I think, and I think Lonnie's talked about it before, the the injury risk for somebody young is just not as great as the media has played it out to be. Like, uh, the one they always bring up is growth plates and stuff like that. And um, the weird thing is the people that, the first people that come up and, and poo-poo against that, oh, you shouldn't be lifting weights, are usually the first ones to throw their kids in, like, Little League football mm-hmm. and American football and stuff like that. And I'm th- there's a lot more damage going to be done when you got young kids running all out hitting each other. Absolutely. Than, uh, than in the weight room. So I, I don't think it's too young. I mean, I like bringing them in, and I'm working with a 9-year-old now, a 10-year-old, um, a 13-year-old. I just keep things very, like, we go for PRs. But it's not like I would with some of my older, more experienced people. A PR for them, let's say we're going for a triple or something, is a triple they can hit and make it look immaculate. Right, right. You know, and if it, anything starts to wane at all, that's where we stop it. So we, we don't have anything grinding. Um, and we call that their one rep max. And, you know, then we train for another month or two. Right. And, and we go again and look to see what we can hit easy then. That's actually a good uh, point because people always think when you say one rep max that, you know, it, it's the, what a guy like you um, perceives as a true one rep max um, can be and likely is quite different from, you know, um, a majority of other lifters who are much well, less yeah. experienced. Because as we've talked about on the show so many times, it's, um, you know, with, with tons and tons of training and tons of experience, um Specifically, lifting very heavy um, for many years, um, mm-hmm. the, the perception of what is um, truly a one rep max is so much different, and and it's not just the the, the mental capacity that you've developed and how you look at it, psycholo- the psycholo- psychology of it, but certainly just the physical. You know, I mean, the physical readiness yeah. that, that you've been able to develop to be able to actually truly hit something that. Maybe a, you know, I won't say a lesser athlete, but somebody who's much less experienced and much less, you know, for lack of a better word, sturdy, could actually handle. Because you know, you hear people at the time saying, "Oh, you know, you're going to get hurt if you're always in the gym doing those big heavy double, uh, doubles and singles." It's like, well, would you go up to somebody who's a, 
you know, a world class marathoner and say, oh, you're going to get really, you're really going to wind up a paraplegic if you keep running those 10 kilometers every day. <laughs> you know, like, um, I mean, no, and it's true. I hear exactly where you're coming from. I'm, you know, it's not only physical, mental, you know, you got motor pattern stuff going on there. A guy, a person like me, you or Lonnie could go in and we can hit a one rep at or at least very, very, very close to our true potential in damn good form. Whereas you take somebody new and, you know, they might only make it to halfway to their strength potential before form goes to hell. Right. You know, they just don't know how to move. And from there up, yeah, they can keep going up and they'll get it up. But it'll, especially in like a squat and a deadlift, but maybe squat even worse, it'll, it'll look like hell. It'll be some weird good morning hybrid thing. So, yeah, it's, uh, you know, that, that, you know, that definitely speaks true. Right, right. I'd, I'd love to see, though, more people getting their kids in the gym um, and just, just get them around that environment. I think that's one thing great we have going on here. We allow our clients to bring our kids in, their kids in, and uh, they have to keep an eye on them, of course. Um, but they're allowed to come in, watch, be a part of it, run around outside, you know, things like that. They just know they have to stay out of the way, and somebody's on the platform, stay away from it, things like that. So, mm. But it gets the kids, you know, it shows them, hey, look, mom and dad are working hard. You know, and, and gets them in that environment. So, what other questions do we have? What other questions? Another one that's interesting, and it comes up a lot, is uh, it's the latest one that came up today. Um, a guy posted, Chris Johnston. Um, he's wondering how many for raw lifters, how many of us train with bands, chains, boxes, etc. Hmm. Um, I know there's there's several different kinds people that don't people that do um so how about you Rob I've kind of chimed in on this in this log here on this post but I'll, I'll chime in some more well I certainly think that you know the trend certainly um since the well since the trend came to be that a lot of people started using a lot of those implements um I think the trend on top of that trend has been for a lot of people to, to think towards, you know, um, it's the geared lifters that probably get the most benefit from those things. And, and and it's strange because there's so many different ways. I always say make sure that when you're doing something, you're doing it by design and not just by um, because you saw somebody else do it. Because there's multiples of ways of or reasons why you might do something. For instance, a box squat. Um, you know, why I might do a box squat might be different from somebody who's in the SPF might, you know, is a multi-gear lifter does as a box squat. Vice versa, you can say the same thing for, you know, partial bench presses, whether you're doing a floor press or um, presses out of, out of the rack. Um, and you can say the same thing for negatives and all these types of things. Um, the reason why you're doing them needs to be understood before you, before you do it. So when you do do it, you're actually... Um, have the right mentality and psychology towards why you're doing it and, and the ultimate benefit of what is being done. But I'm kind of getting off that off track. The point what you're asking me is, yeah, I mean, I think more geared lifters tend to think that, that that's those are things that are, um, you know, for lockouts for the shirts and all those types of things. Um, but certainly a lot of that stuff that, that goes back to, you know, a lot of the implements that kind of um, accentuate things like dynamic strength and acceleration training and, and um, all those types of things, it's beneficial to any type of lifter. And I'm of the, of the opinion that uh, one of the best things I ever heard somebody say is, um, you know, how do you be a great power lifter or how do you be a, great, a strong guy? Well, just lift 
and lift and get stronger and stronger. And it, yeah. and it sounds so stupid and so basic, but really that's the truth. I mean, and in any way that you can get stronger and make sure that all the different you know components of the body are not weak or you don't have a weak link. Mm-hmm. You're gonna it, ultimately you're gonna be that much better of a lifter, and certainly that even applies even more to somebody who's a raw lifter. So in a lot of ways, I'm kind of almost answering my own question in my own head as we're, as I'm talking. In a lot of ways, a lot of those types of implements might be even more beneficial in the long run to somebody who's raw. I don't know. What do you think? Yeah. Um, geez, I, I mean, I use them all. I think, like I posted on here, I, I'd say ninety percent or so of my training and, and people I train raw are is without the implements. But we do put them in place, and I think there's a place for them. Like bands, I'll, I'll just start off on bands. Um, I like bands, but, I mean, different from what um, the West Side approach is. Like, I train with Jesse Burdick and Mark Bellin out there, and, you know, of course, those are they're, they're two great lifters and, and equipped. Um, and the, the, the West Side approach, they might use a lot of band tension, whereas we'll use a bit less, and we'll still use a, a great amount of our percentage of bar weight. But what I get out of the bands, and my clients tend to, is um, bands have a tendency to really teach you how to fight. Because even a small amount of band tension will take away the momentum that right. you get going out of the bottom. Right. Um, so, I mean, if and, and I think that's something. For me, I think it's one, it's one hurdle that new lifters have to pass. They have to get through, and some of them never do it. But the you have to gain the ability to really fight when things get tough. Um, and I think bands can allow you to do that without loading up a max because it, it's just halting the load. No matter what, it's taking all the momentum away, and you got to fight through the whole range of motion. Um, you got to give it 100% all the way up or it's just going to push you back down to the ground, more so than just wait on the bar. So I, I think with that, um, reverse band, I don't think there's a place for it for a raw lifter. I honestly don't. And, I mean, I would... I might even say for a geared lifter. Um, I just don't get it at all. Um, putting on a whole ton of extra bar weight that you probably can't lift and letting some bands hold it and then going to the bottom and then you'll see people post up, all right, 900-pound squat, and they got four bands holding the load up. You know? <laughs> so it's like 400 in the bottom. I just don't get it at all. I mean, I can see, sure, it gets heavier on the way up, but I honestly think you'd get more out of it. Um Fighting against the accommodating resistance of the of the bands than you would having them slowly unload on the way up because um, it's not going to take away momentum. It's not going to do what the regular bands from the bottom would do as far as taking away the momentum. So um, box squats, um, I, I like them. You know, I I'll use them for several reasons. Um, if my knees are hurting that week. I have a tendency to use them, and I think they can do the same thing as a pause squat if you do them correctly. I think the problem is is a lot of people do box squats incorrectly. Um, if you unload your hips and just learn to really fire out of the bottom, I think they can help your your raw squat a lot um, and teach you how to stay and get tight in the bottom. Um, the problem I've seen with most people is they don't realize that in a regular squat, you can't sit down and then lean back like you're sitting in a chair. Um, and a lot of people do that on a box squat. They'll actually sit down and then sit back like they're in a chair, and then you'll see them rock forward to come off the box. Um, so you're kind of falsely getting some momentum, loading up your quads real hard, and then standing up. And, you know, 
I dare anybody to try sitting back like you're in a chair without a box in a squat. You know, it's not going to happen. You're not going to be able to work that movement pattern in, in a regular squat. Right. So, I mean, I think any of this stuff you implement, you need to mimic the real move as much as you can. Sure. So, um, yeah, I mean, I think there's a place for them. And like you said, it's for a reason. Like for me, the most times I use the box squat is that. I'm working my bottom end. I'm working on explosive now the bottom. Or my knees are hurting. So it has a tendency to take, if you take away that bounce on the bottom, you know, or the pause of a pause squat and having the knees have to hold that, it can, it can take away some of the stress on the knees. I think a box squat, a couple of things, or a couple reasons those might be beneficial to some people are kind of not talked about very often. That is stretching the body out. Mm-hmm. Um, and B, brushing up technique. Yeah. Because even if you're not a geared lifter, certainly, a, uh, you know, you can use a box squat to really, I mean, think about it. When, when I used to be a personal trainer, I used to, use, actually use a squat, um, teach the squat a lot to kind of just people who are just generalized weight trainers. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Using a box. Um, yeah. and in doing that, in doing the kind of the quote unquote proper form and, and using the box to accentuate that, you actually find Usually, certainly if you haven't been box squatting for a while or haven't done it, you usually find that you get really stretched out in places that you didn't think you were needed to be stretched out. Yeah. Um, so, you know, you can really concentrate on things like, you know, driving your elbows down, driving your chest up, driving your knees out, sitting back on your heels, you know, pushing your butt out. I mean, all those type of things can really be accentuated and, and worked on very, very intensely when you're using a box squat. Yeah. I'd say another, that just brings up another mistake I think people do with the box squat is they sit, you hear them on videos all the time, back, 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 back for for equipped lifters that have that suit to sit back into. We can't do that as raw lifters. If you go back, 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 you're going to be on the floor. And I, I see a lot of, of, of raw lifters trying to implement a box squat where they're sitting just overly sitting back. And that's not going to happen in the real world. So it goes back to, again, mimic your your regular squat, sure, we're getting our ass back, but not that far back. Um, you, you don't want to plop on the box. You want to squat down to the box. Um, you shouldn't be falling on at any point and losing your balance. Um, but, yeah, you know, and then a nice pause in the bottom. I, I don't think, I use touch and go for, I have some clients that are, have uh, mobility issues. I'll use a box. So what we'll do is we'll, we'll take a box and we will just get like an inch past where they can comfortably get to on depth. And then over the weeks, we will slowly lower that. And they have to touch the box, you know, just tap it to assure they're always getting that depth. And then after a week or two, we'll lower them a little more, and then they got to tap that. So slowly we're getting them down and down and down and down and down, and they have a cue so they know. Because when you're that tight, you don't really know where you're at depth-wise. It'll feel like you're inches from the floor and you're five inches high. Yeah. You know, so it gives them something concrete. I have to feel that on my butt before I can come up, or it doesn't count, type of thing. Mm-hmm. Um, other than that, I think you, you need to learn to unload, uh, unload your hips, keep your torso tight, and uh, you know, give yourself a second or two down there. And I think um, you, you'll benefit your squat a ton. You'll get a lot of starting strength out of the bottom. Um, it turns it kind of into a deadlift. You know, you're you're starting from a there's no stretch reflex anymore. It's you know, it's all you. Coming off the box, <laughs> right? For lack of a better term, but uh, I don't know boxes, chains. What he's going to do? I I don't use chains a lot. Um, I don't know. I'm I guess I would if I wanted to go to the hardware store and buy a bunch, but um, I've used them. I think uh, 
had some weight releasers for a while, and I thought those were really neat. Um, you could load on, say, an extra 100 pounds and lower it, and the minute you got to depth or got to your chest on bench, they'd release, and then you could fire back up. You know, So it, it essentially allowed you to do an overloaded eccentric all the way to depth, and then it'd come loose, and then you'd do, say, 80% up. Um, those were pretty neat. Because um, a lot of times, you know, eccentrics can be a pain in the butt unless you got several strong training partners to, you know, you slowly lower it down, then three or four of you pick it back up every rep. So, yeah. Um, I think those are neat. I'd like to get another set of those made. Um, you know, what about weak point training, Rob? You for it or you against it? Weak point training. I'm very for it. I mean, uh, alluding to what I was saying earlier about the whole idea of like making sure you don't have any weak um, links in your in your chain. I think I think um, as long as you're always mindful of the fact that the whole body needs to be trained. Yeah. Um, and I think this maybe is is part part partly because of my bodybuilding roots, but. Um, <clears throat> I've always been a big stickler for that, making sure that everything gets trained um, equally as intensely and, and frequently and, you know, all those types of things. And, you know, people always have favorite body parts. I never really particularly had one. I mean, certainly my, well, I, I shouldn't say that. Certainly my love is squats, and I think everybody knows that. But um, I didn't really ever dislike anything. I find everything to be a challenge as long as you're training it in a kind of a hardcore fashion. And I know that's kind of a flimsy word, you know, hardcore, but you guys all know what I'm talking about. And I think that, um, I think you're doing yourself a huge service by being very balanced like that, because in the long run, uh, you're going to suffer so fewer injuries um, it, than if you didn't do that. Now, um, as far as specifically hitting weak parts, um, I don't know. I think that if I, I think that if you follow the mantra of what I'm saying about Training everything intensely in, in an imbalanced fashion, and with you know, with with the same kind of, again, mental kind of dedication to it. I don't think weak parts per se will pop up as much as far as um, um, massive you know divides between you know you know relative poundages between you know what you curl and what you squat and what you bent row and what you those types of things. Yeah. Um, I think it's more a case of um, when you get to a certain level of advancement, you're, you're oh. Nope, There's a pizza delivery. Pizza delivery. Yeah. It's probably the photo guy calling about the prints oh. for your new Christmas card. Yeah, it probably is. That's what it is. Yeah. Um, see, now I'm off my train of thought. I think that um, as you become more advanced, you're going to find things that really, for you to advance more, are you going to have to over-accentuate. Um, for instance, again, using the squat, because we often use the squat as an example for things. Um, you're going to come to a point when you're really going to realize that very few people squat um, with a wasp weight and a six-pack. People squat six, seven hundred pounds. Yeah. So you're going to have to start thinking in terms of, you know, are you prepared to, uh, you know, uh, widen your waist? And I don't mean necessarily just by, by going eating, you know, ice cream all night, but you know, uh, allowing, you know, that power belly to develop and, and doing actually exercises that are, you know, that most of the muscle magazines are, you know, um, poo-poo on, saying don't do this because it'll widen your waist. Well. Yeah. You know, hey, widen your waist. <laughs> you know what I mean? You want some bulk in there. So, again, it's it's the perception of what what you want to do and where you think yeah. that you need to take something to get to a certain level. And again, once you become kind of advanced, you're going to see that there. It's less that there's weak part, part points on your body. Um, if you do have have been in fact being very balanced and intense with your whole body, it's less about having weak points and more about realizing that there's certain points that need to be. Um, really hyper pushed beyond the 
beyond where they've been. So it's not anymore about a balanced body. It's about finding parts where you actually almost have to, and I hate to use the word, but grotesquely develop yeah. um, in an unusual fashion to kind of get to that next level. Yeah. No, I agree. I mean, I think this is one area that, um, I, you know, myself, Jim Wendler, and Paul Carter, we probably agree on 98% of our training. And, you know, we get to talking together and things we, our training is a whole lot alike. But it's one of the areas I, I disagree with them on. You know, they, they kind of disagree. They, they, they're not into weak point training and kind of don't believe in it. I remember I asked Jim a question. I was like, so, you know, I missed 804 pounds of lockout. You know, what do you feel is my weakness? You know, this and that. Look at the video. And he's like, well, you know, you don't have a weak point. You just need to get better at deadlift. And that's true to a point, but, you know, no matter what, in my mind, if you miss a lift, something's weak. It's not just you. I mean, if I miss a lift of the knees, there's some part of me that needs to be brought up because I was able to get that load fairly easily from the floor to the top of the knee. From that point on, whatever needed to take over didn't take over, and that needs further attention. So... In my mind, that's where, yeah, I will have weak point training. I think there's a place for it. I do agree that um, still most of your lifts need to be full lifts and just getting better at, you know, if you want to get good at squatting, there's no better way than to just go in and squat a lot and do it consistently. Mm-hmm. Um, the full squat, you know, go down, come up, go down, come up. And, and of it, course, that's the same thing with every uh, every lift. I mean, yeah. and I, you know, in 20 years in, I learned the hard way that, you know, you, you it's the same for every, I mean, I always knew that, but, you know, sometimes you have to learn the hard way. Like, like for me, it was deadlifts. It was like, okay, I have to stop dicking around kind of with, you know, three, four hundred pounds, and I have to really consistently, you know, get my eyes red with five, six hundred pounds. Kind of exactly. So. No, I agree. I agree. And, uh, you know, but I think there's a place for it. You know, I mean, there's, like me, I'm always going to have... I've got long arms. My presses, be it overhead or bench press, it's it's going to be tough to lock out. Um, I've got these long arms help me in the bottom. I get so wound up, my elbows are back behind my back in the bottom. So I've got a lot of stuff wound up back there, which helps me get out of the bottom. I've got a huge stretch reflex, which aids me in pressing the weight from the bottom to about midway. And midway up is where things get hard for me. So, I mean, that's always going to be a place for me to work. And, yeah, I do believe there's two ways to work that. Um, like Jim and Paul get on, no, you need to start at the bottom and just get stronger because then I can blast through that weak point. Sure, that momentum's going to carry me through there. But then again, if I just gain the strength to from that weak point, if I get stronger at that midway section, midway to up, then I'm, it won't matter if I lose momentum because I'll just be stronger and I'll be able to push through it. Um, so I think it's both. I mean, and that's why I say, you, you know, you always need to be working the full lifts and put the assistance work over to the, the weak points. You know, like for me, I'm always going to be, my left leg will always be weaker than my right leg. It'll never catch up because of the injuries I've sustained, you know, because I got ran over and, uh, right. and we all have, ex- so, we all have extenuating circumstances. Yeah, we all have. And that I always have to be mindful and work on that because it's going to be my Achilles heel because you know, my right leg, there's days like, Tuesday I went in and we did pod squats and it was one of those days where I could feel when I was done like the right leg did 98% of the work and my left leg was just there for the ride and keeping me balanced and so that you know I'm going to have those days and 
sure, I can keep regular squatting and just get one huge freaking right glute and right leg like I have. But at some point, it's going to help me. At, at, at some point, that right leg won't go any further. And if I don't work the left one, I'm not going to get any better type of thing. So, I mean, and that's a weak point for me, and I, I need to attack that. So, you know, so I, I do believe in weak point training to a point. But, yeah, I agree that 90% of your training needs to just be done correct. And I think I think weak point training should be held off for at least intermediate lifters, if, if not advanced. Because when you're a beginner, a novice, you're just weak. You don't have a weak point. You are the point. So, like you said, you just need to have a balanced routine and just bring everything up until you actually get something that's, you know, where we can identify something that's weak. Right. You know, and, and it's, going back to what you are saying about, you know, your, your imbalances in your legs because of extending your, your injuries and so forth. The thing that people, a lot of people that, that separates the, the people who really succeed, because we, because like I was saying, we all have extenuating circumstances. We all have like injuries or, um, whatever. Um, you know, we all have our own genetic gifts and, and, and letdowns. And the difference between people who very, who get past that and really succeed versus people who don't are the people who don't focus on them as being like, oh, well, I can't do this because of this, but rather of, Accepting you have it, certainly being mindful that you have it, but then just saying, that's okay, I can push beyond this and I can just, you know, if that's weak, then I'll just make something else doubly strong to, to, yeah. to, um, to accommodate that, right? Mm-hmm. No, no, I agree 100%. And that's where I had to, my squat has always been my Achilles heel because of the way, I, two things, the way I'm built, I got long, gangly arm, legs and arms. My legs are honestly two times the size of my torso. So squatting down is going to be a hell, and I'm not short. You know, I'm not super tall. I'm six six one, but you know, couple that with a bad hip, and squatting's—it's a chore. I mean, it's still something I attack and I enjoy doing it, but I ju- I know it's always going to be below, say, my deadlift, which I've always been good at due to my long hamstrings. And so, I mean, at one point, I just had to say, I'm going to let the squat do what it does. I'm going to train it, train hard, but not worry about it so much. And I'm going to accept that I'm a pretty good deadlifter. And I'm going to see just how far I can push it. You know, because I'm, I'm actually pretty good at it. So, yeah. and that's been something fairly new for me. For a long time there, it was like I'd point my training more at the squat and concentrate on trying to bring it up. And then my hips hurt and my knees hurt and this and that. And it's like, well, you know, that's bringing me backwards. So, um, and now that I've been doing that, it's like my squat is, it's officially better than it ever was. Because I, I quit worrying about it, and I just started training hard. What's there that day? So, um, and accepted that I have limitations. But, right. and we've talked about that before. There's, there's, there's things to fix, and then there's you know things that aren't a problem. It, it, it's not a problem if there's no fix for it. You know, like my hip. I just got a. I got two choices. I guess there's a fix for it. I can go get a hip replacement and lift up 45 pounds for the rest of my life max, which is unacceptable, which makes it. Something I have to work around. So, yeah. um, you know, so there's no fix. I just got to deal with it. So, is there any other questions that you have? Yeah, Michael Johnson. Is there any reason for someone to do a half or quarter squat with a Swift mach- Smith mm. machine? You know, the type where you're keeping your torso perfectly straight up and down and just bending your knees. Well, you, you broached that to me just before we started recording, and the only yeah. thing that I could think of, and I'll reiterate it here, is 
You there? I'm sorry. Yeah. I'm sorry. Yeah, it kind of muted by accident. Sorry. Um, is to to do it if in a, in a fashion because you think that you're more of a thigh squatter and you want to strengthen your hips. Okay. Uh, maybe go to go, go a little bit wider in the fashion that you're talking about. Um, maybe maybe for that reason. But even for that, I would be I would be cautious to do that too much in you know in direct relation to that kind of goal. Only in that. You know, again, alluding to something you said about 20 minutes ago, you know, if you want to be good at throwing a baseball, you got to throw a baseball. And if you want to be good at, you know, squatting in a certain way, you got to squat in a certain way. Um, you know, and in doing all the sorts of variations of the squat to kind of make it overall stronger is certainly good. But at some point, and hopefully, you know, regularly, you're going to have to squat in a way that you're, you're planning to squat when you do squat. So, Again, even doing something like that, like I'm saying, using a Smith machine, like a wide stance or something, partially to strengthen your hips or something, you can't focus on that too much and certainly too exclusively, you know, um, in lieu of going and doing squats the way you really want to squat with a free bar in your back because, I mean, because you become good at what you do. Yeah. And if you squat like that on a Smith machine, I'm sure with time, you know, doing partial squats wide on a Smith machine, I'm sure somebody can, you know, develop into horrific strength. You know what I mean? Because, I mean, we've all had that those machines probably in our infancy of training in the gym that, you know, for whatever reason we really like and we go and use that um, almost exclusively for, like, you know, say a shoulder press machine or a biceps machine. And you can get horrifically strong on these machines, but then you go and it's not, a lot of times that strength doesn't really completely carry over mm-hmm. to the real thing. Yeah. So that that's all I'm saying. It's like again, mm-hmm. all these things and all these variations of different exercises are all very useful. They're all in your tool chest and they should all be used. But you have to be mindful that you also have to devote a majority of your training to the way you actually want to lift on that specific lift. Yeah. No, I, I agree. And I mean it's I think it's I think in the fashion he was saying where the 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 guy's trying to keep his torso perfectly straight up and basically just have knee flexion going on. I don't see a place for it, I guess, not much. Except for maybe if the guy was a physique athlete and he had quad problems, like he had lagging quads, I could see it, potentially. You know, he's trying to isolate his quads by just having knee flexion, not much hip extension type of thing. Um... And, and blowing those up, but um, why not use something? I don't know. Get on a leg press or something, but lay down on the floor and use the Smith machine as a leg press. I guess I don't. But uh, I guess there's a place, but not. I, I agree with you. I mean, I think it'd be it'd be uh, one of those one percent of your trainings instead of the other ninety nine percent. And most likely in this case, he's probably just malinformed, you know. So. Don't know what he's doing. And it brings up an interesting question for me, Rob, and it came out of this same question by Michael. Um, let's say you're in the gym. Okay. And you see somebody doing something not dangerous. Yeah. But something you don't agree with like that. You know, they're, they're doing quarter squats and they're, you know, them and their buddies are high-fiving each other. Uh, <laughs> right. Do you, do you go up and, and give them some advice? You know, um, for I, I've always hated myself for the fact that I, I'm always the kind of guy who wants to help people um, mm-hmm. and a lot of times I've been not burned, I don't, 
at all, but I've, I've gotten less than receptive responses from people when I've tried to suggest things. And certainly I never, ever wanted to be that guy that you always hear about, you know, in magazines and stuff, you know, the, the irritating guy that goes around telling everybody how to do everything. Mm-hmm. Um, having said that, if I see somebody who's definitely young, definitely a newbie, and definitely doing something that's not just eh, kind of in, in, imperfect and he'll kind of find his way through it kind of a thing. Because we all have that. We all have to go through that kind of like trial by fire where you find your own way through something that's imperfect and you're not doing it quite right. Yeah. But if I do see somebody who's doing something that's down and out dangerous and it's a, it's a young person or a person who doesn't really know what they're doing, then I almost feel obligated because <laughs> of my experience to actually say something. And I'll always broach it in a very kind of not non-know-it-all kind of fashion. Uh, and I'll always usually preface it by saying, hey, you know, I'm not trying to tell you how to do your business, but, you know what I mean? How about you? Yeah. I, I think, I, now that you said that, I mean, what I, what I suggested was, you know, leave him alone, lead by example, let him come to you. And that's kind of what I go by now because, I, like you, I mean, I've helped people a lot. And most of the time, they don't take the advice, let alone listen. And it's just, so I've kind of reserved myself to, you know, if they want, if they really want help, they'll come ask, type of thing. Um, but I, I think in the special cases like you're talking about, say it's a young guy, they're alone, you can tell he's obviously new at it. And you can usually tell if somebody's going to be receptive to help. You know, somebody that likes, looks lost. You know, they're, they're looking for their puppy and you know where it's at, um, type of thing. Then, then I'll go. I'll go throw some advice at him, and yeah, and yeah, not do it as a hey, you got to do it this way. Right. But you know, you know, maybe even go over and say, hey, you want to spot me on this, and then say, hey, you want to work in, you know, type of thing. Why don't you, you know, we'll lower the barn. You can work here. Blah blah blah. Yeah, start giving some cues. Um, but I mean, most of the times nowadays, I would, I, I just let them be and go in there and do my thing, and you know, maybe say hi to them, chit chat, and let them come to me. I'm a, I'm a pretty outgoing guy in the gym. I'm not somebody that's running around and being a dick. Um, I'll talk to people and this and that. Just, you know, I, I'm old. I've got like 15 minute rest in between my sets, so i got to do something at that time. So I'll go talk to people and this and that. But, <laughs> um, but I'm lucky now. You know, I, I always forget that I'm lucky and I've got this place where I, I've got like a training mecca of my own, so I don't have to deal with that. But no, I think it's great to give advice if you can. Somebody that's receptive. A, a good thing about, like, a good example. I had a guy pull up here about six months ago, and just had me look at his program. He was getting ready for a powerlifting meet, and he had pulled some program out of Muscle and Fiction, and uh, he was doing that to get ready for a powerlifting meet. And I just, oh boy, oh brother, <laughs> yeah. So I took it and I said, "Well, you need to just scrap that." I said, "Get a hold of me. I'll, I'll help you out. We, we can we can write a program up because he was already signed up for the meet and everything." So that's kind of where we stand on that, you know. Um, and we're gonna move on. One more question for the day, Brian Lilly. Um, he's got a question. He's gonna do his first powerlifting meet in two weeks. Uh, congratulations on that. Uh, stepping up on the platform, you're doing more than most just for that. He's uh, he's a couple pounds heavy. And he'd rather be at the top end of the 181s instead of the bottom end of the 198s. Um, never tried cutting weight. How's he do it? Um, my first suggestion would be don't. Um, it's your first meet. You're going to have enough stressors of having to weigh in and not knowing how to meet runs and, you know, just the, the nervousness of putting on a singlet and getting out there in front of a crowd and doing nine lifts. You don't need to add on one more thing. 
I would stress to eat eat like you normally do, train as hard as you normally would, and get as strong as you can without adding in that extra variable at this point for your first meet. A first meet, you just go in and make it as make it as stress free as you can because it's going to be a very stressful meet. Mm-hmm. And uh, go and post up a total, and you can worry about dropping that one or two pounds. Most likely, unless you're some weird genetic freak, anyways. Dropping from 181 to 188 isn't going to make you place much better anyways. So there's going to be some very experienced guys in the 181s and 198s because those two classes are still pretty damn competitive. You're, you're likely going to get the floor mopped with you anyways. So go in there and do as best as you can. I mean, now, if you know for a fact that you're going to be, I'm going to walk in there and I'm going to total and most likely win this thing if I do the 181s but not 98s, I, I could see a case for it then. Yeah. And that's if you've been training for a long time and you're experienced in powerlifting, you just, for some reason, never stepped on the platform. So, what about you? I don't really have much to add to that. I just totally agree. I think uh, in your first one, yeah, don't uh, don't be messing around too much with that kind of stuff because that's, uh, sp- specifically in strength sports, that's a dangerous road to go down. Does that make sense? No, it doesn't. I mean, this is coming from, I've personally cut like 30-some pounds from me, but... I sure as heck didn't do it on my first one, and I'm not going to do it again. But um, He's got another question here. He's trying to figure out his opening lifts. His PRs with pauses are 325 squat, 225 bench, 380 deadlift. Is there a rule of thumb for calculating opening lifts? What do you say? Hmm. I know what we do here. but Read the question again. He's wanting to know, how does he figure out his openers? He knows... <sighs> Wow. Um, well, I mean, the best of advice I once heard is um, make sure that you can double your opener. Have you heard that before? Yeah, we actually use triples here. Okay, triple. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> okay. So, you know. Yeah. I like that. I think, number one, I guess that you could use a triple. Number one is go way too light. <laughs> you know, go really light. Because those, you don't know, there's two kinds of lifters. There's meat lifters and there's gym lifters. And I have both of them on my team. Um, me, I'm a meat lifter. I'm good for probably 10% extra in a meat. Um, and then I have people that are only good for 10% less than their gym PRs. Right. So, and you don't know what you are yet until you've done a meat. So I would make sure that opener, if you come down with cancer, AIDS, and pneumonia the night before the meat, you can still hit it. You know, it's got to be the worst thing you can do is go in and miss your opening squat on your first meet ever, because then your your motivation and your confidence is in the toilet. Mm-hmm. So. Oh yeah, totally. I mean, I think too many. I've seen it too many times, especially with first time lifters and young kids more so, coming in and you know, I see them warming up and they're struggling with 225, and their openers. 275. And it's like, oh boy, this is not going to be good. And they miss it, and they miss it, and they miss yeah, it. Yeah. They're out of the meat. And then their first meet, their first chance to, your first meet is a chance to really get hooked on a really fun sport. And they just turn that into something not too fun. Yeah. No, I would agree. I, we've talked about this, I, I'm sure of it, in, in many past episodes. Yeah. The whole idea that Regardless of what sport you're doing, it's because we talk, we're talking about strength training, you know, whether it be weightlifting or, yeah, make sure that you go in and that you, your, your first few experiences up on the platform are 
happy, successful, mm-hmm. and yeah, that usually means um, you know much underestimate not underestimate but you know undervaluing what you should could potentially have done on the first or second attempt but you know what just because of what Phil's saying yeah that's that's golden to make sure that you go up there and just nail it nail the first few you know on all your lifts and yeah that'll so you reach on your third you know go for a five pound PR on your third but I mean it's great I think it's great for brand new lifters to go nine for nine now you got something to shoot for You've been in a meat, you have a meat PR now, even if it's 20 pounds lower than your gym PR. You know, next meet I've got to beat 320 in the squat. Because that's, you know, then you've got something to shoot for, and then you can judge your opener better next time. Um, off that. People don't know how hard a meat lift is. Rob, did I lose you again? No, I'm still here, okay. man. So, no, I mean, I think that's a good one. I think it's one that, a lot of people mess up. I guess if you want to go percentage-wise, 85, 80%, mm-hmm. maybe, mm-hmm. you know, 85, 90, 95, you know, maybe 80, 93, 100, something like that. Right. So yeah. No, I, I, I agree for sure. Calculate down. Yeah. The same way you do in your in in the gym when you're calculating your supposed one rep max to use for different uh, percentage points in your training. The same thing in competition. Under yeah. a, 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 a Notch it down for sure. What about here's a question? What do you do? Like my my myself and my team, our last few weeks of training before we take our week off is nothing but hitting our opener. It's just and we don't get it go any higher than that. And our openers are pretty darn easy. And I think that's another way. It's another good way to you know if I can have somebody come in, one of my lifters or myself come in, and we hit that that opening single for five or six. Singles? Yeah. You know, I'm pretty damn confident I'm going to kill it with me. Yeah. And I just did it six times. Yeah. We just get, our last two weeks is spent getting really good at hitting open. So what, what do you do? Yeah, no, I actually agree with that kind of training, that whole kind of doing multiple sets of well, sets, multiple singles with a weight that's like maybe 90, 95%. Yeah. Um, I'm, I'm a big fan about that because the same kind of thing. It's just, it's just adapt, adapt, ad- adapting to what it is specifically what you're going to do. Um, and yeah, it certainly does wonders for your confidence as well. So exactly. I would definitely side with you on that one. That's a great idea. Yeah. So I think that's it. We've got a good show. Um, for sure. And we'll call it a day there if I can find out how to turn this thing off. But uh, <laughs> <laughs> so thanks everybody for listening. Thanks for all the great questions. Um, hopefully we have some more again. Uh, keep keep it going. You guys have been really active on there. It's been so, it's been all activity. It's been kind of a mishmash kind of show, and I apologize. It was kind of like his Lonnie at the last minute couldn't be on, and then at the last minute yesterday, I kind of I wasn't thinking I was going to be able to be on this week again, and it got I finally got hooked up again yesterday, so that was kind of last minute. And so Phil Phil and I are kind of just hanging on by our tails there a little bit, but hopefully hopefully the show was enjoyable, and hopefully uh, you guys got something out of it. So this will be the highest rated show ever. Ever. Rob. Where's your confidence? Ever. So thanks a lot, guys. Have a good one. All right, later. Iron Radio is accepting donations. If you like what we do, the professors, the scientists, the bodybuilding show promoters, the athletes themselves in powerlifting and bodybuilding, um, please consider making a donation or maybe buying something from the ironradio.org store. Uh, We also are accepting 
supporting members. So for $4 a month, which is frankly less than the bank sneaks out of your account in fees, you can step up and support a form of sort of public radio for the bodybuilding and powerlifting and strength community. Hey, IronRadio.org listeners, this is Lonnie Lowry, and I'm just bringing you a sneak peek only for Iron Radio listeners at this point. If you Google CRC Press, Lowry, L-O-W-E-R-Y, and Protein, you can be some of the first people on the planet to see this book. It's specifically for strength athletes, everything on the safety of high-protein diets, the efficacy, the dosing, the types practical applications and case studies. This is a textbook. It's not what I would call an industry book. This is not pseudoscience. This is the state of the art science. And if someone wants to critique you on your extra protein intake, this will be something you could hold up and say, this is what the literature says about stressed kidneys or bone loss or gout or dehydration or increased muscle mass over time or leanness or what types are best. This is the ultimate source in one place. Little disclosure here. I do make a single digit percentage of royalties on this book. It's such a low amount, however. Obviously, I've done it for that purpose. I did it because, like you, I want to have something I can hold up in one place that's modern literature instead of what a, perhaps a health educator might tell you about the benefits and the potential concerns, if there are any, on ample protein diets specific to a population like ours. Thank you. The Iron Radio Podcast and all of the audio on ironradio.org is for informational purposes only. If you're interested in starting a diet or exercise program, it's important to check with your physician. Also seek the help of registered dietitians, athletic trainers, and qualified exercise physiologists in order to make the progress that you need.